The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for The Big Red Bench. A really busy hour of sport coming your way. We're going to hear from Ireland International boss Vera Powell ahead of a massive week for the girls in green their way to Ukraine on Friday we're going to talk to Ian Turner of co-ramblers as they kept their promotion push alive last night with a 1-0 win over Longford Town thanks to Ian's goal we'll hear from Ian in a little bit we'll hear from a disappointed Cork City interim boss Colin Healy after they could only manage a little draw with Waterford yesterday talking to Cork under 20 boss Pat Ryan as they face Kerry tomorrow night in Austin Stack Park in Tralee we're talking motorsport with Luke Allen as he prepares to head to Japan I'm going to talk athletics as well with Kieran O'Leonard. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Corks Red FM. I'm Rory O'Hagan and I'm delighted you joined us on the show this evening. If you want to get in touch, 0868104106 is the place to send your texts or your WhatsApps. Just get you up to date on everything that, hap- that is happening or has happened today in the Premier League. Tottenham are 3 up on West Ham thanks to a brace from Harry Kane and uh, an opening goal from Hillman Son in the first minute. All of Tottenham's goals coming in the first quarter of an hour there as well. So it's Tottenham 3, West Ham 0 is how things stands at the minute. Elsewhere today, two full-time results at uh, Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace and Brighton finished all square. Joe Russell. Full-time, Crystal Palace won, Brighton won a point apiece for these great rivals, the Eagles and the Seagulls. For a long time, it looked like Wilfred Zahar's first half penalty given for a push on Mishi Batshuayi by Tariq Lamptey was going to win the game but Alexis McAllister's late strike from the edge of the box secured a point and there was more late drama with Brighton skipper Lewis Dunk being shown a straight red card for a wild two-footed challenge on Gary Cahill. Full time at Selhurst Park Crystal Palace won, Brighton won. All square in the noon kickoff as well Joe Townsend. Sheffield United and Fulham both have a point on the board after an entertaining draw at Bramall Lane, ending their four-game losing start. Fulham can be encouraged with a missed Alexander Mitrovic spot kick and a VAR penalty scored by Billy Sharp, all that prevented victory. Adam Ola-Luckman's stunning goal on his full debut deserved to settle any match. For Sheffield United, the same problems remain as they now scored only two goals in the Premier League this season. Sheffield United won, Fulham won. One further game this evening, Leicester City and Aston Villa is a 7.15 uh, kickoff. Elsewhere in the Championship, Cardiff City had won the win away to Preston. In Gaelic Games, Donegal have beaten local rivals Tyrone at Bally Buffet in their dress rehearsal for the uh, Ulster Championship. Finished Donegal 2.17, Tyrone 2.13. Ahead of throwing both sides, observed a moment of silence in honour of former Tyrone Gil- goalkeeper Johnny Kern who sadly passed away this morning at the age of just 33 he survived by his wife and his two young sons earlier on this afternoon Mayo eased their fears of relegation after they hammered Galway at Tume Stadium 3.23 to 17 points Patrick Durkin Mark Moran and Conor Loftus with the Mayo goals in Division 2 it finished Clare 111 for Manor 19 at Cusick Park and in Newbridge Kildare beat Cavan 121 to 20 points to move out of the relegation zone in golf Jonathan Caldwell was best of the Irish in the closing round with the Scottish Championship the Downman finishing 14 under par 9 shots behind the winner Adrian Otagui the Spaniard shot an incredible 9 under par final round of 63 to finish on 23 under Patrick Harrington finished on 12 under he carried a 68 in his final round and in the States Roy McIlroy starts 7 shots off the pace he tees off just before 7 o'clock the CJ Cup 
on the PGA Tour. Shane Lowry's out in the course. He starts his day on level par, 15 shots behind the leader, Russell Henley. Right, we're going to start our show tonight with international football and Republic of Ireland women's boss Vera Powell held an online press conference this morning ahead of a massive week for the girls in green. They're away to Ukraine on Friday evening in their European Championship qualifier. Ireland know that a win or a draw in Kiev will guarantee them a place as Group I runners-up. Ireland beat Ukraine 3-2 in Dublin last year. Powell's been outlining what they learned about Ukraine in that game. I learned about Ukraine that they underestimated us. Um... I think that they were overwhelmed about our structure and, and the way that we were approaching them. Um, if I see how they played against uh, Greece, which is their latest game, um, and their perseverance um, to get as many goals as they could, and the way that they did it, um, it's more that I've learned from that last game than our first game. Our first game was that everybody just wanted so much to get a, a positive result. And um, there, there was such an intensity. The whole stadium ha- felt it, this intensity. They brought it, the crowd brought it on the pitch. Um, and now the intensity comes by j- just by the fact that this is a final. It's a final for everybody, both for Ukraine and for us. And uh, Ukraine, um, well, we all know they, they, need, they need positive um, uh, impulse. Is that the right word? Um, because of all the troubles that they had with the cream and, and they are looking for positive uh, moments and I'm sure that, that that squad is really ready to go for it but we as well because um, <clears throat> yesterday I was talking to a player and she said this is most likely the most important game of my career and so this was one of the um, of the veterans <laughs> so um, it's um, yeah it, 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 it's it's fantastic that we can play I'm very happy that we played Germany last uh, last month, so that we've seen each other, that we know um, where we stand, uh, and um, yeah, we we have prepared, and we'll see on the pitch with the final dots on the eye. Well, it concerns us very, very much. Um, the only thing that consolates us is that we are so much aware this week of it that I think that everybody has uh, self-isolated herself. Uh, what I heard is from all the players that they were really trying to get away from people. Um, I've isolated myself. My staff has isolated themselves. Um, I've not been out to friends. I've not been out to family. I just went to the shops like all the staff. And, um, yeah, we hope that it stays away of our, our squad. Uh, we get tested in Germany. Um, we've learned from that uh, because um, now if somebody's positive, uh, first of all, you don't have to get her out of the country um, from Ukraine. But second, we can then fly in somebody easily. Um, so we travel on Thursday playing on Friday. Um, so we delayed our travel with a day so that we can test it in Germany and that we um, have all negatives on the flight. Can I just ask you about uh, the two Cork players in your squad, Denise O'Sullivan and Megan Connolly, and I suppose their importance in this Ireland squad? Um, well, they're playing in the spine. Yeah, that says it all. Um, Megan has developed over the last year immensely um, from a player that was in the lineup, um, did well, 
but didn't give something extra. She's now a player that's really a core player, one of the first players on the sheet. Um, and she has worked so hard to become that stable player. She's backing up other players constantly. Uh, with Megan behind you, you always know that if you make a mistake, that she will be there. Um, and that gives our back line the chance to focus on the space behind them instead of the space in front of them. Um, so she's really core, uh, a core player in um, uh, the covering of the attack, let's say it like that. And Denise, um, well, Denise has it all. Eh? She's in the attack important, but also in she's starting the hunt in midfield when, uh, when we're defending. Um, so... That combination of those two players makes our midfield very strong, in my opinion. Yeah, that's Ireland boss Vera Powell. They're speaking ahead of Friday's clash with Ukraine. Great to hear her speaking so positively about uh, Denise O'Sullivan and Megan Connolly. They're calling her, calling them uh, the spine of her team. Fingers crossed the girls in green will get a result in Kiev on Friday. Now, Cove Ramblers' hopes of making the playoffs in the first division were boosted last night with a 1-0 win away to Longford Town thanks to Ian Turner's second half strike. That result means that Ramblers are two points behind Kevin Teeley in fifth. However, Galway United, who are three points behind Ramblers, do have two games in hand this week. Ramblers host Shamrock Rovers 2 on the last day of the season which is Tuesday week I spoke to goal scorer Ian Turner earlier on today Alright, joined on the line by uh, Cove Ramblers Ian Turner, fresh from last night's uh, exhilarating 1-0 win Ian, how are you sir? Yeah, good, good a little bit tired after last night Yeah, I'd imagine Yeah, I'd imagine so I mean, like that was a huge, huge win for Cove Ramblers last night Yeah, it was I think going into the game we obviously knew we had to win to keep the season alive so we're just we we knew what we needed to do. We needed to go out and get a result, and I think to be fair, we were able to put in a really good performance on top of that. So that kind of that kind of made it all the sweeter. Was there a lot of pressure on you going into the game? I don't think there was pressure because people like people were still writing us off. They were saying, you know, it's going to go down between say Cabantini, Longford, Galway. Everyone was kind of writing us off, but we knew going into it, if we win our last two games, then. The rest hopefully will take care of itself. So I don't think, but I think we kind of knew ourselves that it was do or die last night. If we lost last night, I think it would have been, been very, very tricky for us to qualify. Mm. So I think getting the result and then actually putting in a good performance, that would be good because we need to take that on to next week now. And again, we have another week where we just need to win and then let's see where it takes us. And conversely then, does people writing you off kind of give you motivation going into matches? I think so, and I think it actually, in in ways, it kind of suits us to be that underdog where people don't fancy us, and then we seem to, when we get written off, we seem to put in our best performances, so it's probably suiting us at the moment, but I think we just have to forget about what's going on around us and just, just concentrate on ourselves. We know what we need to do, and, and we were obviously able to do a lot to do it again next uh, Saturday, Tuesday, is it? Next <laughs> Tuesday weekend. week, yeah. yeah. Um, Talked about the, the kind of game it was last night. As you mentioned, it was a, a, a quite tough game. I was only watching bits of it myself uh, last night, but uh, it seemed like, look, well, we know how good Longford are anyway for a start, but it must, must have been a very tricky game last night. Yeah, it was. I think because of the situation, I think Longford were in as well. It probably There was probably a little bit of pressure on them as well. I think it, it kind of started a little bit. I, I felt like they were quite nervy at the start and they were they seemed to be very agitated. You know, they were getting on the ref's case, they were getting on each other's, each other's case. So it kind of the way the game played out, we kind of knew, say, going in at halftime, we had, we had had the better of the first half and we thought, now's our, our chance to really go for it because 
Mm-hmm. were playing well in fairness but we, we were obviously stopping them from playing well and we were playing well ourselves but we just felt at half time like the game was there for the taking so we just had to put the foot on the gas again and, and obviously we were we were able to get the early goal which was a big help and then I thought we saw it out very well And talk to us about your goal as well a nice tidy little finish from yourself Yeah it was it was it's, it's something that I'm, I'm obviously disappointed I haven't got more goals this season that's only my third goal this season mm-hmm. which is you know I wanted to get a lot more but any goal at this stage of the season is important so to be able to score I, I think it doesn't matter who scores it really at this stage of the season you just you just want to get the win so whether I score whether some of the front lads defenders anyone I think everyone's kind of chipping in with the odd few goals so I don't think it matters who scores at this stage but we're just delighted to get the three points and bring it into the last week and to I suppose bounce back from that defeat to Cabin Sealy two weeks ago at St. Comans Park back to back wins on the road that's not it's not an easy thing to do in the first division and must be particularly pleasing yeah definitely and I think the fact that we actually put in two good performances to go with that is, is encouraging because we felt like the season in general we we went on a good run then we go on a bad run a good run bad so we're looking to get a little bit of consistency so obviously please God we do make the playoffs if you have a little bit of momentum going into it we've won the last two now and then if we can win again next week and put ourselves in that position obviously not trying to look too far ahead but you know it's it's going to be a good thing for us because we'll be the one going into the playoffs say with a bit of momentum but even at that it, it's it's, it means nothing unless we win on, on Tuesday so mm. we just have to keep taking over and putting in the performances and, and just see where it takes us And how frustrating has that lack of consistency been you look back on your results I mean like you win 1-0 away to, to Drogheda United and then away to, to Shamrock Rovers and then like UCD come to town and they, you're well beaten by them so I mean like how frustrating has that been? It's very frustrating especially when you look at some of the games where we've felt like we probably should have won and if we had had those points now where we would have been or where we could be, that's probably the most frustrating thing because if anyone who's watched the first division knows that there's there's nothing mm. really between six, seven, eight teams. And you can see that by the points. So that's probably the most frustrating thing of the season is that we've actually dropped some some really silly points. UCD away second game of the season is one that really stands out. And uh, obviously the at-long game as well, two or three weeks ago, which was, they're probably the two that you'd say we should have won. Worst case scenario, you get a draw and you have an extra two points. Best case scenario, you win them games, which you probably should have an extra six. And you'd be, on, you'd be in the, the, the playoff spots now, you know, probably not as much pressure on you going into the last game. But look, it, it's happened. We just have to move on. We've obviously been able to get back into a good bit of form. So we just have to, you know, I keep saying see where it takes us, but we just have to keep putting in results. And then we've done well to get it to the last game of the season. So, Let's keep going. And as we mentioned, the game now isn't taking place until uh, to Tuesday week, so they've got a bit more extra time to prepare, which I'd imagine Stewie's quite happy with. Yeah, well, it's it's good because obviously we can prepare well for the game, but I think everyone's in the same boat. Uh, the only thing is between now and then, obviously Galway have a couple of games which we'll have to keep an eye on their results. I think Draw had to play one or two games, so a lot can happen between now and next Tuesday because there's a couple of games. But yeah, I think for us now, we just want to get get to next Tuesday get training out of the way this week work hard and then hopefully give ourselves the best opportunity and I know we've kind of spoken about the Covid situation before but it is unfortunate that there won't be any fans in St. Cummins Park that last, uh, on that last night so it would have been a massive crowd there which would have been a massive help for you yeah definitely I think you really at this stage of the season I think you really start to miss the fans because you know getting a bit of momentum going in you know obviously it's it's high stakes at the moment so you'd imagine 
if there was, if everything was back to normal, would there be a huge crowd uh, for the last game of the season? That's obviously going to help all of our players and whatever. But look, it is what it is. We have to just get on with it. I think we've been coping well with it. And I think it's probably only the first couple of weeks that it made a real difference. I think now everyone's kind of used to it and you just have to get on with it. And playing Shamrock Rovers again that last game of the season, I mean, like, I know they're second from bottom of the table, but they are still a decent side on top of them. They're very good, in fairness, and I think we played them up there. We beat them 1-0, but, I mean, 50, 60 minutes of that game, we really didn't perform, and they were they were all over us. Without creating anything too clear-cut, they were very dangerous. They're, they're, and they're obviously enthusiastic. They're young lads. They work hard, but it's not going to be an easy game at all going into the last game of the season. We just... We have to put in performances like we've done in the last two weeks if we want to win. Because if we don't, they'll they'll turn us over. They're a good team. I think people underestimate them because they have such young players, but they have some very good players in their in their team as well. And you know they can. If we don't turn up, they'll there's no doubt they'll they'll put it up to us and they could beat us. So we just have to make sure we train hard this week and go into the last game with the same mentality we've gone into the last two games, which is you know you have to win. So you have to perform and, and that's what we'll be looking to do. And you do have to win that final game this season. You also have to hope that results elsewhere kind of go your way. But you, I suppose that's out of your control and you can't be worrying about that. Yeah, exactly. We just have to look after ourselves. At the same point, it's exciting. You know, we're we're happy. Anyone that is involved around Cove, we've, we've been able to take it to the last game of the season, which we didn't do last year. You know, last year it was the season is over with about six, seven, eight games to go, whatever it was. So, you know, we're in a good situation and I think you can see there's a bit of momentum, a bit of excitement building, so we just have to look after ourselves. We can't, like you said, the rest of it's out of our hands. We can't do anything about that, so we just mm-hmm. have to perform and hope for the best. And I suppose as well, just having the playoff in the first division this year, I mean, like on the resumption of the, the league after um, COVID-19, there was a lot of talk that there was only going to be uh, one promoted, no playoff. Your own chairman, Bill O'Leary, was adamant that there should be a playoff. And thankfully there is, because otherwise the first division uh, would have been, I suppose, fairly grim for a lot of teams this season. Yeah, it would have. And I think, in fairness, I, well, obviously I'm going to say it, but I think they did make the right decision because yeah. it's made the first division really exciting. Like you've asked, I keep saying that there's nothing between any of the teams and like I said earlier about some of the points that we've dropped if if, if we picked up those points you'd be fighting for say top of the table and then same with the other teams draw their bread they've picked up some results so anyone could beat each other it's, it's made it really exciting and the fact that even it's gone to the last game of the season now and you still have you know Longford, UCD, Cabin Teeley, ourselves and Galway all fighting for three positions so it's really exciting and obviously with the the way the Premier Division has gone as well, you've got a little a little battle there for the relegation playoff spot as well. So it's it's really it's made it exciting and it's it's probably kept people involved, whereas if there wasn't a playoff they wouldn't have been involved. So it's it's definitely made it exciting and and it's been good for all our, all the first division teams as well because we've been able to hang in there. Certainly so. Ian, um we'll probably just chat to you before the game anyway. Very best of luck uh, on Tuesday weekend. I uh, will be down there and hopefully we'll be talking about the Ramblers win. Thanks a million, Roy. Top man. Yeah, it's Ian Turner there of Cove. I'm just speaking to the big red bench earlier on today. A great win for them last night against Longford. Tom makes things very, very interesting heading into that final game of the season against Shamrock Rovers at St. Coleman's Park on Tuesday week. And what a game that will be. Uh, before we started uh, the interview with Ian, Spurs were 3-0 up on West Ham. However... 
Spurs 3, West Ham 2. Hammers with two goals in the last 10 minutes now. This time, fine work with Yarmolenko and Bowen on the right. Dangerous cross coming in. And in the end, Davison Sanchez put through his own net. We could be on for a fine finish here. Spurs 3, West Ham 2. Uh, bad news if you're a Liverpool fan. It's been confirmed that Virgil van Dijk needs knee surgery after yesterday's... Uh, Merseyside derby against Everton he was of course uh, poleaxed by uh, Everton goalkeeper uh, uh, Pickford yesterday um, so he needs surgery on his ACL faces a lengthy layoff um, Liverpool wouldn't confirm if, he, the, if it has ended his season or not but um, bad bad news um, for Liverpool um, Virgil van Dijk is out for a lengthy period. He needs surgery on an ACL. Uh, also yesterday, uh, Cork City drawing nil all with Waterford. They had a goal disallowed, had a big penalty shout. Uh, Luce City in a massive battle to uh, avoid relegation. Now they are a point off Finn Harps, who have two games in hand, mind you, as well. And uh, games rapidly running out for Cork City away to Derry City uh, next week. Uh, um, so it's 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 going to be a very very tough for Cork City, I suppose, to avoid relegation um, following uh, the or the way to slide overs, excuse me, next week, and then home to Derry City the following game of the season. Got that slightly mixed up, but hard to see how City are going to avoid relegation. This is a very disappointed interim boss Colin Healy, who says that City deserved a win. Um, for their performance yesterday yeah it was listen as I said I mean the last probably 25-30 minutes we went for it we put the we put the attacking lads on um, we had a lot of chances um, we had a few decisions that went against us um, but then again it's, it just didn't happen on the night for us you know, you know what I'm on about exactly, I don't have to tell you as I said listen this, this little goal there's, um, there's a penalty claim but as I said I haven't seen that so I can't really comment on it but listen, you know the decisions yourselves what the officials handing after no I didn't listen I'm not going to get anywhere there am I listen they they made the decisions and that's it listen three would have been better but we're just going to have to wait and see because uh, listen we come back in one day and we go we get ready for second that's all we can do now that's it sometimes you need a bit of when you're down at the bottom you need a bit of luck and we just didn't get that tonight as you've seen yourselves there it could have been three four it could have been it could have been listen the boys came out they gave it and you can see yourselves they gave it everything they can but it just it just didn't happen and you know we had the chances and another night it could have been two or three yeah the performances they've been they're getting better they're getting better every, every, every game we're playing and and I knew that would happen is because what we have the coaching staff and what we demand from the players you keep doing that you will get better and you, see, you can see there tonight is that there was hunger there was desire termination and again the most important thing is putting the ball in the back of the net and that's what gets you three points and we just didn't do that tonight another night might have been a different story yeah you can almost hear the dejection in Colin Healy's voice there after that little draw against Waterford yesterday uh, but a big big battle now for Cork City to stay in the Premier Division alright going to switch to Gilly Games and tomorrow night the Cork on the 20s get their Monster Championship campaign off to the start as they face Kerry and Austin Park in Tralee 6.30 is the start time for that one Valerie's been speaking to under 20 boss Pat Ryan thanks very much Valerie how are you? Good, I'm flying it, Pat. I suppose it's been a very strange year for everyone, but with the under-20 championship in sight, it's probably a welcome distraction. Yeah, sure, look, I, I suppose, look, um, back this time in, in April, kind of, we were thinking that there was going to be no championship and that everything was going to be cancelled and stuff like that. And uh, even up to last Thursday, there was a serious doubt about things, um, but we got to go ahead last Thursday and we were going to go ahead with it. So, look, hopefully it goes ahead. Look, to be very disappointing for 
the work that we've done, and especially the players, most importantly, like to know if they didn't, especially the fellas under last year, if they didn't get to partake in it. But I suppose, look, in the times we're in, it has to be done safely as well, you know, and and uh, at the health of the players and the health of, uh, I suppose, the, the area and their, their families and their, their friends are taken into account as well in that. How difficult has it been to prepare, prepare this side during the pandemic, Fett? I suppose, look, look, I suppose the worst thing about it was you didn't know where the championship was going to go ahead and I suppose, look, it was great. We had a fantastic club championship this year uh, where players got loads of matches so you just left them back to their clubs and look, I think, I think I suppose the biggest advantage really is that, look, every county's in the same boat mm. so nobody's getting any advantage or nobody's getting anything that so look, you just have to, we're lucky that the games are going ahead, you know, I suppose uh, and which is the main thing and uh, Look, I suppose we'd look as regards preparation. Yeah, look, it's been difficult, but look, as I said, look, it's the same for every 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 county. So nobody's getting advantage over anyone. Yeah, you haven't had much time with them. I think a lot from them have been with their clubs, so that isn't easy either. No, it's not. It's not. I suppose look, it's a bit like a, it's a bit like old under twenty one, really, or old under twenty. Yeah. Um, in that look, you 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 watch them play with their clubs, and then you brought them in for two or three weeks before championship, and then you pick the team off that. I suppose that's changed over the last kind of three to four years, where. Um, under 20 teams have uh, changed, have trained as a as a unit themselves, separate away. So look, it's finding back to the old days where you're you're picking teams after they're straight after club form, and, and you have to trust that, you know. Yeah, it is difficult. I think a lot of people are in talks about how difficult it might be for you to pick a team. You know, you've probably seen a few of them at club training and stuff, but you have a great team to select from also, Pat. Yeah, we've a lot of very good players. Yeah, in fairness, look, there's a lot of work, hard work after going in and in um, at development squad level and at minor level and, and in fairness to Dennis Ring and, and Johnny Dwyer and, and their group last, the last two or three years have put in huge work at minor level and on 20 level and look we've just been unlucky that we haven't got over the line in all our finals but look the work that's been done and the players that have been prepared has been fantastic you know Yeah now the opening game is Monday night it's the quarter final to Kerry in Tralee it's going to be an interesting game because we haven't seen much of other teams Yeah exactly yeah look, look, look realistically look you're, you're um I know that Kerry won the, the B for the last three years, you know, so it's great to see him stepping up into the into kind of DA competition. Um, look, obviously, look, we'll be, we'll be red-hot favourites, but look, I suppose, in fairness to Kerry, the people that play it, they play in a very specific pocket down in Kerry, uh, in our Kerry, so look, they're very passionate about their hurling down there, so I expect the same from uh, their under-20 players when they play, but look, as regards preparing for other teams or anything like that around the place, look, you're just not, look, we haven't played many games and you haven't been able to go and see many games and stuff like that again for the opposition. So, look, you're just concentrating really on your own team and, and uh, what you can bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, restrictions even at training. I know that teams maybe have to travel on two buses heading to the game and things like this. It's all very new to you. Yeah, well, look, I, I suppose, look, look, that's that's a question Look, that we're looking at. Do we, do we drive ourselves and drive separately and stuff like that? Because, look, unfortunately, there has been no breaks in buses and stuff like that. So, And if you do have an outbreak, like, you're, you're, you're kind of... Like if you're a close contact at any of those people being inside the bus, that means you're gone for kind of 10 to 12 days, even if you don't have um, test positive for a COVID case. So look, you see what happened with the Irish soccer team there. So look, mm-hmm. that's just a, I'd say to be honest, we will probably driving, just stay in cars and driving cars and try and go separately if we can, um, which is a big ask for parents, no one for fellas to drive themselves. Like, but it's just, it's probably the safest thing to do. Yeah. Getting into a bus now at any stage is, is, is if you had a, if you had one person who had maybe an outbreak, it, it would, it would, it, it could lay, it could lay five or six fellas down, you know. Yeah, God, it genuinely could because you could bust their small cramped areas and they're, they're all want to be sitting beside each other. Then and then you're you're the person going, well, now I have six or five, seven fellas sitting out from a game that you need them for. Yeah, ex- exactly. Look, 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 look. I suppose the, the Irish soccer team gave a good example of that. Do you know I me? Mean? I don't need the two boys even tested positive, but they were next to a case. I know. Um, and, and it was a false positive case. But look, there's um. 
when you're next to a case like that, you have to you have to isolate in yourself for ten to twelve days or or restrict your movements anyway, especially so. Um, look, that's something we'll just have to be cognizant of you as well, you know. Yeah, great. We've also had the introduction of the new yellow slitter, Pat. How do you feel about it? Ah, yeah, sure. I'll be honest with you. I look, look, it's, it's not actually coming into under 20, a minor. Um, it, was only, it was only mentioned for senior, I think. We're trying to wait for clarification on that. Um, but as of now, it's only, it's only for the... Mm. For the um, for the, for the senior competition, um, I suppose. Look, look, I suppose. Look, it definitely gives a bit of an advantage when you're watching balls going over the bar between posts. Um, I've seen teams training with them, and definitely in the daylight, they're definitely they're definitely as hard to distinguish between the yellow and the green. But when it goes into the nighttime with lights, there is, I think, an advantage all right, uh, to the white ball. Well, look, we're really looking forward to the under twenty championship, Pat. I'm sure the GRL as well, and I hope you all remain safe and healthy throughout it. All right. And same to yourself, Valerie. Thanks very much. Thanks, Pat. Cheers, God bless. Bye, bye, bye. It's Cork on the 20 boss, Pat Ryan there speaking to Valerie ahead of tomorrow night's clash with Kerry. Very best luck indeed to the Rebels. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Luca Allen about heading to Japan and also full time from White Hart Lane. Spurs have thrown it away. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Well, Tottenham were 3-0, 3-0 up on West Ham, I should say. Um, guys, Windows. Spurs 3, West Ham 3 what a remarkable match Spurs 3 up after 16 minutes and cruising, Son scoring after 45 seconds and then a brace from Harry Kane West Ham huffed and puffed but until the 82nd minute we're getting nowhere suddenly Balbuena headed in then there was an own goal from Sanchez Gareth Bale on as a substitute Mr. Sitter to make it 4-2 before Lanzini's 30 yard screamer last kick of the match made it Spurs 3, West Ham 3. <laughs> yeah, fantastic stuff there, guys. And they'll really enjoy that one by the sounds of Spurs 3 up, throwing it away. And a fantastic uh, comeback from West Ham. And if you missed it, Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk is facing a long spell on the sidelines following yesterday's Merseyside derby. Went off injured after a chance from Jordan Pickford. But it looks he, it's been confirmed that he needs knee surgery. It looks like he might be out for the rest of the season, although Liverpool would not confirm that. Alright, going to talk motorsport. Cork's Luke Allen headed for Japan. The talented driver is heading for the Far East for the final three rounds of the Super Formula Lights season. I spoke to Luca about it during the week. I'm lucky to be racing at all this year. I think with everything going on, um, I, I, all racing drivers, probably all people in sport, were they didn't get didn't get that much of anything really this year. So I, I definitely consider myself lucky to get some racing in and hopefully set myself up for next year. And so, I mean, like, how have you kept, I suppose, focused on everything that, given that everything that's gone on, and like how how we've been able to train and stuff like that over the last couple of months? Just kind of keeping to the same kind of training. Um, over summer, like it, it was a bit hard to kind of keep up the motivation throughout the year with with just training as kind of uh, as much as I would during the season. But so I kind of I I, I was only training kind of a few three times a week as opposed to kind of six times a week during the summer and then now I'm kind of back training and back uh, just kind of trying to get sharp eating the right food just doing kind of my utmost to make sure I'm in, I'm in the best position I can be in Japan So when are you heading off? Thursday finally just booked the flight yesterday I think my visa just got approved uh, during the week so yeah after so it was we were trying so hard to get, like it's so hard to get visas for anywhere really I think in, in that kind of part of the world and yeah, I was so going to say, it must be a logistical nightmare trying to get everything sorted and trying to get everything arranged uh, ahead of heading over there. Yeah. Um, well, I think a special thanks to my dad because he was up the walls the last few weeks trying to get everything sorted and 
and uh, just go up to Dublin for the visa and you know, just, just doing everything he can. So you know, he has a bit of a chip off shoulder now that everything's kind of sorted and everything's booked and uh, ready to go. So your time on the track and your time in a car must have been severely limited this year. Yeah, uh, really limited. So I think over the full year, I did like one test day and one race weekend. Um, so I'm not sure how it'll be just jumping straight back into kind of a a, a, a good level of, of racing. Um, hopefully it'll be fine. I'm going to try to do a bit of sim work and just work with the engineers. I'm going to try, I think, work in the, the team factory in between the races, just kind of get to know the guys and uh, get to know the car because that'll be a kind of a new challenge as well. And yeah, so just it's kind of all I can do is just prepare myself as, as best I can and hopefully I can drive fast. When okay. I get there. So for like practice time and stuff, you won't have much before you actually get a, like get in and race basically, will you? Exactly. I think I have, I, hope, I should have about two or three days to get to know the car and the team and the tracks and everything. But um, it will, for the first weekend anyway, I will be a bit on the back foot. Um, but I mean, there's, there's nothing we can do about it now. It's kind of how, how it all worked out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do my best and I'll do my best to work with the team, build a good relationship kind of from the start and I will move forward from there. And power wise, how much of a step up is Formula 3 from what you're used to? Um, it'll be quite big because I wasn't actually kind of, it was, it was a bit of, it, I was meant to be kind of doing this championship in about two years, so it is kind of a bigger step than I imagined this year. Uh, there'll be a lot more downforce, um, heavier cars. I think as opposed to what I'd obviously last year was maybe 220, 240, probably go up to about 280 kind of thing this year. So I'll definitely feel it. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. I, I'm, I'm, I usually kind of get used to it with the speed quite fast so it should be fine and you're heading over there I mean like I think three rounds are done three rounds remaining so a bit of catch up to do I guess yeah exactly so it, it won't really it won't be a championship year it won't be uh, kind of a year where I'll have the the standings on my mind every weekend it'll it'll really just be three rounds of, of trying to get the most out of the team trying to get the car right for next year just trying to learn as much as I can really for the three weekends and and set a good foundation for next year I mean, like racing in places like Suzuka as well must be like a dream come true for a racing fan such as yourself. Yeah, like Suzuka is one of those tracks where you can just watch the onboard of, of, the, of the guys doing laps there. And it's just, you know, it's one of those tracks where, where you want to be. It's so fast. There's not much room for mistakes. So if, if, you, if you set up foot, foot wrong, you kind of might end up in the barriers. But that kind of adds to the rush and the, the adrenaline of, of driving there. So yeah, that, that'll definitely be an exciting one. And moving to Japan, I guess, for a couple of months is massively exciting. I mean, like, it'll be a massive culture shock first off, but hugely exciting to be in Japan and kind of living the racing dream, basically. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a completely new experience, I suppose, because last year, when I was racing in Asia, I kind of knew be home in two weeks or whatever. My dad was coming up with me all the time, so it'll be a bit different this time. I think I'll be gone for about two months, be coming back just before Christmas, but... um. Just well, hopefully the team is nice. <laughs> get, 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 make kind of good relationships with them, and yeah, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. So you'll be going over on your own. Your dad won't be going with you this time, is it? No, yeah, yeah. So on my own this time because it was just it was hard with the quarantines on either end. It would have been like a month altogether quarantine with two weeks neither, and so it was too complicated really to try to get anyone else over. So when is the first race that you'll be uh, competing in? On the 14th of November. Uh, so on the weekend of the 14th of November. So about. Jeez, a month from now, kind of exactly. Um, 
So I'll have two weeks quarantine when I get over there. And then I think we have a private test out on the 5th. Um, we're racing on a track called Autopolis. Um, quite a nice track. And yeah, so I have about another week or two then to prepare for the first round. And, and then we go. And what's race weekend like then in Formula 3? Is it similar to Formula 1? You've got practice qualifying the race or how does it work? It will be quite similar. It'll be less intense. Um, I think to Formula 4, there'll be less races. I think there'll be two or three races along the weekend, depending on the weekend. Um, and then there'll be probably less practice as well and stuff. So I think hopefully the track time we got last year in Asia will, will stand to me. And, and uh, yeah. And so this is kind of, I suppose, another step towards the ultimate goal of uh, sitting in a Formula 1 car and a starting grid at some point. Exactly, yeah. So um, it's kind of in the championship now where there will be a lot of eyes from the Formula 1 crowd and from the, the people who make the decisions in Formula 1. So it's definitely, um, you need to impress and there's not much time for mistakes or even not much time for learning. So it'll, it'll be tough, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a massive step for me in my career. Uh, to hopefully being on that Formula 1 grid. Are you feeling a bit of pressure going over there, so? Not yet. Um, I'd, I'd say before the race, well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of get the usual pressure, I reckon, before a race is natural, but I'm not, yeah, not yet, anyway. Can we watch it's the races like, over here, Luca? You will be able to, yeah, they're all, they're all live streamed. Um, I think most of them will be live streamed in English as well, um, so you'll understand um, but yeah, I'll make sure to share the links on all, all my social media platforms for, for anyone that wants to follow. And sponsorship-wise, I suppose, I mean, like, it's taken a lot to get you to this point. I mean, like, your sponsors have been a key part in getting you here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, thanks very much to the people that, that did help me. They know who they are, especially White Post Tiles, Cullen Sully, and, and then Ballymede Relish. And uh, then it'll be a hard two weeks for me when I get out there. I have a lot of meetings set up. Um, so there still is sponsorship to raise, especially with this year with commercial sponsorship being um, not that big because COVID so it'll, it'll be there's still a bit of work for me to do out there I have a few meetings now set up and just trying to network as much as possible Exactly uh, and I suppose uh, have you been able to look ahead to next year yet or are you just f- fully focused on these three races? Not quite uh, no we'll probably I presume when I get out there and uh, once I kind of get on track and the team have an idea of what kind of speed I'm at they'll probably we'll probably start talking about next year Um but yeah, I think the plan is to do the same thing next year. Um, obviously, use this year as a bit of preparation, hopefully get a few good results and then try win it next year. Excellent. Luca, it's massively exciting, man. Really looking forward to watching your race in Japan. Uh, very best of luck in Japan first off. Very best of luck in the three races and uh, no doubt we'll catch up with you when you come home. Yep. Thanks very much, right? Yeah. soon. Very best of luck to Luca Allen heading off to Japan for the Super Formula Lights uh, season the last three uh, weekends of it and uh, no doubt he'll be a fantastic success as he has been throughout his career thus far. Alright, going to talk uh, athletics now and uh, last week we played you the first part of interview with uh, Kirona Lunard, uh, the Cork athlete who is out of retirement and is targeting a place at the Olympic Games. Uh, this is uh, Kiron talking to me uh, not so long ago and I first asked him about the Olympics in 2012. You mentioned the, the Olympics a couple of minutes ago. I mean, like, how much of a motivating factor is exercising the demons of 2012? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I again, as as I've kind of probably put a stake in the ground and said, look, I think there's, I'm at least going to, who knows what the outcome is. Look, four years, I don't know if anyone's taken the four years off and, um, you know, treated my body, you know, I didn't treat my body so well in those four years. So I, I don't know if, if that, someone has done that before and come back after four years of nothing, but <laughs> I, I, I do, I do 
I do plan on giving it a shot. Um, it's not going to be easy to make the Olympics. But yeah, I think one of the big driving factors is I think now recognizing coming back that there, in the back of my mind there has always been a desire to to right the wrongs of 2012. You know, I, did, I, I didn't feel like I did Ireland or Cork, Leavale, Justice, myself, my family. I'm at that Olympics, either on the track or even, you know, afterwards. And um, I would love to get back uh, and be able to right some of those wrongs. And whatever that result might be, it might be, it's just going to be showing up, you know, one making it, which would be, a, is again, a huge tall order. But if that, if that was to happen, um, giving my best on, on, on the day and, and, and putting it all out there and, and giving a good show for myself, I think I could put, put my mind at ease around, around 2012 um but you know beyond that there are other goals too you know i'm i'm, I'm hoping i'm going to come back if the national cross country is on i want to come back and um and run for leeville again and um we've never won the team trophy in the national cross country it's the only team trophy leeville i've never won and i'm i'm again that's where i began that's that was my bread and butter i, I owe everything to leeville my whole career was starting off there with dara donovan um I would love to come back and, and put the gold jersey on and, and do something good for Leeville. So it's not just the Olympics. I think it's, it's, it's just getting out and competing and having fun again and, 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 and giving a good show for yourself, you know? Am I right in saying you haven't raced yet? No, I haven't raced. So, so, um, there's, um, there's a, a, a sport Ireland or a world anti-doping rule that if you, if you retire, basically, you know, I was getting hounded for drug testing even after I retired, which, I thought it was a waste of taxpayers' money and a waste of my time. So I, I said, look, I'm, c- can you stop testing me? You know, I'm, I'm done. And yeah. so you have to submit the form which says you're officially retired, right? And then you, they stop testing you. But if you submit that form and then you decide to, co- to do a DJ carry and you come back, you know, you, you, <laughs> you, um, you, you, um, you, um, you have to basically submit another form to stand back. And then before you're allowed to race, you have to be six months on the anti-doping um, whereabouts. So I, I submitted that on, on April 9th and I'm eligible to run again, to race again October 9th. So I, I, I did some pacing. I went to LA and I paced the 1500, um, or sorry, I paced a mile at 356 pace um, through the K. And then I came back 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes later and I paced the 5K um, at, through the mile in 410, which was, which was a good back to back. You know, that showed me I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, you can keep that pace going in the, that I ran for the K and we're in a pretty good spot for the 15. It was just kind of a gut check to put the, put the spikes on and get on the track and be in the environment again. Um, like I said, October 9th, I'll be allowed to race again. Obviously that scheduling wise doesn't work so well because that's kind of a down period and track season's over. So that's why the cross country came into focus and I said, Oh, let's, let's have a goal to target and come back and help the club. Um, and then we'll ramp up to indoors and we'll really get things, uh, get things going then hopefully. Have you been visualizing like being on the starting line again after four years and what that feeling is going to be like? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I have, I mean, I mean, even pacing to be honest, like pacing, obviously it's, it's not the same as racing, but you have a job to do, you know, and, and to go at 356 mile pace again, that was my first time and stepping on a start line in four years. And I did, I was warming up and, and, and I did have a bit of the butterflies. Sorry, there's a car passing me by here. I'm out of the patio. Um, sorry about that. Um, no, being on the, being on the start line again. Um, yeah, you do have those butterflies, you know, and, um, it's a good feeling. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a bit of, it's a good type of fear you almost have, or you, it's a bit of fright or fright or fight or flight, I guess. Um, 
and you have to fight. You have no choice. Um, and yeah, I think that was a good prep. Um, just to warm up and putting the jersey on and putting the number on. And I, 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 did, I, get, I forgot how to warm up. You know, I was like, what am I supposed to warm up? Do I do it an hour before? <laughs> so those are all the things I need to kind of figure out again. But ah, it's good fun. And then obviously when you finish, you know, you're on such a high. And, um, you know, it, I, as I said, nothing beats it. I think when I, when I left running, I said, ah, man screw this, you know, this is bullshit. Like I, I, I've, I've had, I'm done with this thing. It's not worth it. And man, I'm, I'm glad I made the shot to come back. Cause, um, if your body can do it and, and, um, and the mind still has the capability to sustain the work, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing more special than being back on that start line. You know, were people surprised when you announced that you were back, like your friends and your family and your teammates and all that? You know, it's funny. Like, um, yes, in a way, I think, I, I think if originally, I mean, I, I think people close to me always hoped I did, hoped I was going to. I, I've had a few, you know, a few close friends in my family always said, like, you you got to give it one more shot, you know. And I always said, nah, you know, nah, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. Um, and then, you know, so I think those, the folks really close to me were really happy when I decided to give it a shot. Because I think they knew it, that I wasn't deep down at peace with how it all ended. Um, I do think, you know, I think from the greater pop populace of running the running community i think there were probably a few eyebrows raised like i did an interview with the daily star with kieran cunningham and he said don't you think this is a bit mad you know and i said of course of course it is i mean of course it's mad but it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't you know so let's see what happens i mean you know so i think i think the um i i, I get it both i get the best of both worlds because i have amazing support from the people around me and a really great support from nike and um um family and leeville and 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 um obviously folks here my coach but but then like i also have the i also have any of the not the naysayers but the people that kind of say ah there's no chance he's going to do this that fuels the fire a bit <laughs> all right well let's let's see you know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna hopefully raise a few more eyebrows here in the next couple of months if, um, if things um so do you have a, like a specific training week does it vary week by week does it vary day by day yeah, um, it, it does. I mean, the, obviously, I think as you go through the training cycles, like get like any any athlete, like you know, for fifty for fifteen hundred meters, right now we're in base phase, so it's high volume, lower intensity, a lot of tempo runs, longer runs. Um, I do about ninety miles a week, probably. I, I I'm I'm pretty old school. I don't use a Garmin ever. Um, I don't use a GPS watch. I don't use Strava. Everything I do is with a stopwatch. So I run for like I'll just go for an hour run, whatever it is. It is. I don't worry about pace so much. Only in my sessions. So. I do two hard sessions a week on, on Tuesday, Friday, um, which could be a tempo run or, or you know, eight by a K um, off, off, off two minutes rest, something like that. Um, and then I'll do a long run on Sunday, 15 miles. I'll do a medium long run on Wednesday, 12 miles. And then the other days are two runs a day, um, you know, 60 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the evening, and then kind of my, my hour to a gym. So it all adds up. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a full training load. Um, I think as we go through the year, you know, it'll shift from being um, more endurance based to uh, to be more speed based. But one thing I've learned over the years and seeing a lot of the results coming out now is the 1500 really is a strength event. Um, you don't need a lot of speed and the speed work really what was did my, was what did my Achilles in. So I'm just focusing on getting really strong. I'm almost probably training like, like you're training right now for the half marathon and then um, hop on the track and try and use the natural speed I have to get the job done, you know? Exactly. And has there ever been a day in the process we thought, screw this, I'm not doing this, I'm packing this up, what am I doing? Uh, 
Oh, 100%. I mean, I think I think in the moment, like, I remember the, you know, a few weeks in, you know, the, again, the road bump, like, there was days, I think, when I first got back, I was out of shape, but I was fresh. Um, and then I got to being a month in, and I was not in shape yet. I was still pretty out of shape, but I wasn't fresh. And that's when I was really getting my ass kicked, you know? Like, there was athletes up here that, you know, would have had slower PBs than me by a fair amount um, that were just sailing away from me in workouts. And I was like, and I was running times like I do mile repeats up at altitude here in 520 when, you know, you know, six, seven years ago, I'd have done them in 445, you know, and I said, fuck, this feels really hard. Sorry, I'm cursing. I shouldn't be cursing. Um, 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 I said, this is really hard, you know, I, I might, have I lost it, you know, do I have this? And, you know, I think in those moments you, you, you have a choice, right? You either say, I'm going to, I'm going to let those thoughts take over. Or I'm going to flip a switch and just ignore it and just keep plugging on. And again, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what compels me to keep plugging on, but you know, I'm still here and the times have come down and the, it's, it's natural for doubts to creep in. I think for all of us, anyone who says they're, inv- they're invincible is, is lying to themselves and lying to anybody else. But I think once those doubts come in, you just have a choice of whether you're going to, you're going to secede them or you're going to say, no, I'm going to keep plugging through. And like I said, so far, so good. You've been, I suppose, charting your whole process uh, on Twitter and and on Instagram. Is that kind of part of your process and kind of keeping you honest and that if it's out there, people are going to hold you to account and kind of keep you to your word kind of thing? Like, Yeah, a little bit. I think like, you know, uh, part of it's that. I think part of it is, again, I, um, I, I've made a lot of friends, like since I've left the sport that are outside of running, like, you know, when you're in, when you're in the running world, kind of your whole world and, and social circle is, 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 is running. And, um, I think since then, you know, I've, 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 I've probably branched out my social circle out to a lot of other areas and they wouldn't have a clue about running. Like they wouldn't have even known I was a runner or what training is like or what the Olympics is all about or anything. And so part of it's just to kind of show them this is kind of what this is. Cause I always get questions from them, like, that are very at a basic level, like what the hell is running and why are you running around in circles? You know? Um, so a bit of it's a bit of it's that I think a bit of it is like, um, I think in the time, you know, with, with, with COVID and with, um, with lockdown and there not being so many races, I thought it, I thought like the idea of coming back to, um, to a sport and chasing a goal could be something that would maybe be inspiring for people to follow. And, um, you know, I, 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 I basically kind of key off a lot of the feet, the messages I get, I get a ton of messages of support from kids that are in the, running in clubs or running in high school that say, Hey, we really love kind of steering the journey. It's, it's keeping us going here. And so I, I decided to keep it going. I mean, I'm sure people might think, Oh, these guys oversharing. He needs to just, you know, let it, let it up. But um, yeah, I, I just, I just kind of roll with it. And I think it's good to be transparent too. Um, given I've kind of been off the anti-doping for four years, um, you know, I made a big breakthrough in 2011 to come um, to come from nowhere to making 10th in the world. And I think when you when you come from nowhere and then you have a good performance in in the in the world of athletics today, that naturally draws some skepticism. So I'm getting ahead of that a bit and and trying to kind of put the work I've done out there so that if a good result comes, which I hope it will, you know, people can say, oh yeah, well this this the, a lot of hard we we can see like a lot of hard work went into this. Um, and, um, and, and it's, it's all out there. So yeah, it's just, and it's just, it's just a bit of fun too. You know, I think it's, I think it's, it, 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 get the world, I'm, I'm still coming to grips with it. The world of running has really changed. Yeah. It's just so much of a social thing now. And I guess said, I don't have Strava, but people do the Strava thing and they see what's going on and they're following stuff. And yeah, that the, it's, it's just a different world. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself. You know, I feel like I'm <laughs> 
Follow, follow at GoKiron on Twitter for all the latest updates. Um, speaking of drug testing and all that, what are your thoughts on the sport as a whole and how clean do you think the start line will be in the 1500 in Tokyo next year? Yeah, it's interesting. I, try, I don't know, you know, I, I think it's getting better. I, you know, it seems like the blood passport is, 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 you know, the, is, 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 um, is working where we're obviously they're able to track, you know, blood levels over a long time and it's not necessarily a positive test now that can, that can dictate things. I, I, I don't think, you know, there's, um, there's any new magic, um, drug on the market or anything that people don't know about. Like I, I think EPO is still the, for distance runners, the, the drug of choice, probably if people are going to, are going to decide to dope. Um, and I think that's become tougher and tougher to, to, to do, um, you know, due to the blood passports. So I'm hoping that cleans things up. Same time. I can't, you know, you can't dwell on it so much because, uh, you know, it doesn't really help me. I, I think whatever happens, um, I have to show up on the start line for a qualifying race, um, an Olympics, whatever, and, 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 and run the time or, or compete against who's there. And it's not really my responsibility to be the one catching anybody. Um, people are going to make their choices. I think there's, it's, it's unrealistic to think that, sport's going to be a hundred percent clean. And I don't just think athletics is in that bucket. I think athletics gets a bad rap, but I think if you look at rugby, um, I think even if you look at Gaelic football, I think that there's, there's, there's people that are always going to be willing to take shortcuts anywhere in life to get to where they want to go. That's human nature. I think you just have to put that to the side and say, I look at things. I look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm going to do things the right way. I'm going to show up in the start line and compete. And whoever's there, um, that's going to be what it's going to be, you know? Um, and so, so I don't, I don't, to be, to be honest, as long with an answer to your question, I don't fully know who, what, you know, how clean the sport is, but I do know regardless, I treat everyone at the start line as clean because I got to compete against them anyway, you know? It's got to be frustrating though, thinking like, you know, you're at the start of race going, is this a really level playing field here? No, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, I always go into the start line just saying, you know, I've done everything I can do. And um, I, like I said, I feel like, um, you know, say having the confidence in your own setup, your own coach, the, the shoes you're wearing, um, um, the uniform you put on, um, the shape you're in, like that's all you can do. Uh, like, and I think the minute you start focusing on anybody else, uh, you know, you start, you, 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 you know, like I said, I, I remember it's, it's a very different thing. Like when I, when I played Gaelic growing up, you know, you're mark, you're marking a man, you know, and, and, and you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta have two minds. You gotta be focused on what you're doing, which you always gotta be very conscious about what the other person is doing. And the only way that becomes applicable in athletics really is, is responding to the moves in the race. You know, on the start line, I focus on nobody, but my, but myself. And then once, once the race starts, you just be smart in the moves you make and respond to them. And that's when, any focus on other people comes in before that you just got to, all you can do is take care of what you can take care of. Um, and trust that the authorities, um, are doing what they need to do to catch the dopers and hope, I guess that, that the majority of people, uh, take the same outlook on the sport that, that, that I do, um, which is, look, we're just trying to get the best out of ourselves. Um, and be able to again look in the mirror at night and say, you know, I did this the right way. And yeah, I'm hoping most people are doing that, you know? Yeah, yeah really honest stuff. As always, from our good friend Kiron Leonard as he prepares to uh, return to competitive athletics. After retiring, as he said, there and coming back and getting the uh, the urge and the itch and talking about the Olympics and everything like that. So it'll be fantastic to see Kiron Leonard in an Ireland singlet on the start line in Tokyo next year. Fingers, fingers crossed. Right, that's pretty much our show for you this evening. Thank you very much indeed for listening to us on the Big Red Bench tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench and uh, our podcast will be on
online very, very shortly as well. Redfm.ie for that or from wherever you get your podcast. Valerie will be back on the bench next Saturday. I'll be back next Sunday. Alan Donovan's up next with Green on Red. Three hours of the best Irish music coming away between 7 and 10 tonight right here on Cork's Red FM. So thank you all very much for listening to us on the show this evening. We'll be back next Saturday from 6. Best look to the Cork under 20 hurlers tomorrow night as well against Kerry. Half 6 throwing uh, down in Tralee for that one. So up the Rebels there. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday night, folks. Talk to you next week. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.